I know you love cold, but I don't think it's going to be loud enough in the background with the crackling of it to actually capture on the audio. So maybe we should replicate it. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I hate it. It's time for another episode of Yet Another Couple Podcast with me, Shahini. And me, Rigel. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. I uh, don't know if you are still listening to our podcast as they come out in a semi-frequent, semi-infrequent basis. Um, but if you are, then thanks for tuning in. Uh, what are we talking about this week? Well, I was firstly going to say that we're on episode 10. Yay! Oh, yeah, another little um, mini milestone, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Um, and also, maybe we should have this as our little end-of-season podcast. Yeah, perhaps we'll, we'll re-energise, we'll maybe get some guests on for season two. Yes. That'd be pretty fun. Um, and then just start to uh, explore a little bit more about what we want this podcast to become and maybe even, I don't know, Diversify. Diversify. I'm not sure quite how that would be achieved, but we could try that. Um, yeah. That's like one of those words that just sounds really great. Like, let's like, you know, let, let's <laughs> you use mean? like synergy, you know, like. Yeah, diversify. Anyway, we are talking about, well, it's not really a question today. We are going to be kind of doing this episode as a love letter to dining out and restaurants. As you may know by this point, uh, we're kind of into food. A little bit. A little bit. Um, we talk about food, I would probably say, half the time we're together. A bit um, more than half. Maybe even 60%. a bit more than half. Probably 60%. Yeah. Uh, which is exactly how we both like it. It's something that we both see as a hobby. Uh, I mean, you see it as a job, and I certainly see it as a hobby. Um, a hobby and a job for me, I reckon, yeah. because if it wasn't a hobby, it would not be a job. Yeah. Well, for you, I'm, I'm you know, it's great that you're in a position where you're fortunate enough to say you can work as your hobby or vice versa absolutely but um yeah we wanted to talk about especially given the timing of this episode with the uk essentially in the last week or two having eased restrictions to the point where people, people are can, eating in restaurants now yeah people are going out yeah. the hospitality industry is you know restarting there's tiny little shoots springing up from the ashes of covid and it's really nice to see that um, people back home, especially like friends and family, etc., just getting stuck into like living as normal again. And, and part of that, I think an intrinsic part of that is dining out, is the culture of eating out. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, alongside having a little bit of FOMO that we're missing out on this kind of, yeah, resurrection of the food scene in the UK, namely London, because mm. that's where we lived. Um, we thought it would be just a really nice thing to do, which is talk about all the best parts of eating in restaurants and why we do it and why it's basically a hobby. Yeah. Because it's just so great. It's mindful. It's interactive. You get tasty food. I'm going to... You know what? It's not a hobby. It's a sport. Eating out in restaurants is oh. a sport, and I will see it no other way. Yeah. You know what? Sure, I'll take it, because... It's just such a lovely, lovely thing. And I think through this entire period of 2020, coming into 2021, everyone has 
really realized how much they love doing all of those things, which you can't really reenact at home. Sorry, yeah. while I was chatting, a piece of burning wood just fell next to me. And that's because we are barbecuing this evening. So if you hear some crackling and some outdoor noise, it's because we're sat on the balcony next to the coals and the wood. But obviously there was a really long piece of wood and it's just kind of fallen on the floor and made a bit of a mess. Shohini thought it would be great for the atmosphere to uh, do this next to the burning coal chimney. And it, whilst it may be great for the atmosphere and the, the general vibe of the podcast, it's certainly not very good for our lungs. But that's okay. These are the sacrifices we make to provide you great, entertaining content. Um, with that, we should probably probably make a start, right? I'm back now. I've put the broken wood back into yeah, the don't coal worry. chimney. I stalled it. It's seamless. You can't even... Honestly, we'll edit it. You can't even tell. It'll, it'll be gone from the, from the post. Maybe it won't. Maybe this will all make the post. Who it knows? It smells so lovely. Why do we need restaurants? Restaurants... I think are just such a quintessential part of living and to be very honest with you I properly only started eating out when I started my own earning my own money but before then it was always like a bit of an event it's the day that your mom generally gets the day off cooking at home and it's almost like a mini celebration without an occasion although it also goes hand in hand with any occasions because we all do that. We go out for birthdays, anniversaries, lots of different things. But at its core, it's a mini celebration. It's a celebration of either food or friendship or relationships or whatever or however you want to see it. And obviously it focuses on the food because that's what you're eating. But I don't know, to me, eating out or going to a restaurant is just so much more than what you're eating. It's the atmosphere, it's the company. And... Yeah, I think that's why we need it, because it's just, it's kind of like a social milestone. I don't know if milestone's the right word. Milestone probably isn't the right word, but I can <laughs> see where you're getting at. And it's nice that you've related it back to childhood and being at home again and being part of a family unit, because, yeah, you're right, like, it's it's the matriarch's night off, um, or whoever's doing the cooking. Or the matriarch's not, not, night not off. Not to assume that only the, the mums are doing the cooking in various households, it's not the case. However, it's someone's night off, usually. Uh, yeah, and exactly. it's and it's a nice opportunity to um, it's an excuse rather to get the family out perhaps and going to somewhere where you can just detach and I guess just get out the home environment and enjoy a meal together in a different environment. Absolutely, is, yeah, which is a and nice it's thing. it's almost quite mindful, which is how I've always seen it. Um, obviously, people do go on their phones, take photos, and I'm guilty of that as well. Um, but whenever you're in a restaurant, it really distracts from the daily routine a little bit and it breaks it up and it is a bit of a special occasion regardless of the occasion and I think that's why during this time especially I particularly have realized how much I love that entire process of just going somewhere enjoying the food enjoying the company I love the entire thing I love um I love even right down to where should we go you know that's such like a you start from that point and you're like, what do I feel like eating? Or I've heard of these places or we wanted to check, you know, this list of maybe four Absolutely. or five places out. And then, you know, you kind of scan menus and then you end up at the place. And even, I mean, particularly in London, like you, you might end up in a place where you're just like, 
oh, I can't get in for several weeks or I queue for several, up to an hour maybe, several minutes up to an hour. It's like trying to get in. But even that whole process, although it's like you're suffering or you're waiting or you're trying <laughs> to be suffering. patient, it's like the build up, the anticipation to what you're going to have and the promise of what it's about to deliver. Um, and then I love the breadth of different environments that you can then dine in. Like just going back to like, you know, university days or whatever. Um, and I think for you, a very important, like, milestone restaurant. Milestone used perhaps in the correct Yeah, sense. sorry that, about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, milestone or whatever, landmark, watershed moment, whatever you want to call it, like, when we went out to dine in this place called Mezzanine. Yeah. yeah which, which we both remember it. We both remember that particular night, not because we were celebrating anything or doing anything particularly nice. Uh, even nights. the food, to be honest. Like, it was, it was good food, but it, was it, wasn't, right. it wasn't anything... That's, I don't know. I don't particularly remember the taste of the food, I'll be honest. We've subsequently had far better meals, objectively. Absolutely, yeah. But what was incredible about that place was just how how special the whole environment felt. Not in a fancy, high-end, you know, Michelin star way, but in a very sort of kooky, weird old man living room way. Like, Absolutely. It felt, and it felt it was, like... I know what you're about to say. Like, that restaurant is probably the night that I decided... I wanted to do food yeah. as more than just cooking dinner at but home. You, you could do this. Well, I don't know about could do this. It was the night I decided I wanted to make it maybe more of a hobby than it was. I don't think I decided I wanted to do it as a job at that point. It was quite long ago. But it was definitely something that kind of spoke out to me and said I really can imagine myself doing this as I get older. I think it was, though. I mean, you may not have decided at the time that you were going to go full-time with it or whatever, but it was definitely the time where... The first time I remember you saying, I want to feed people my food. Like, I want I want that to be, like, something that people can experience. Not just your friends coming around for dinner or whatever, but you wanted to actually have a place that was your own where you did your food. And where you I could create an atmosphere as well as feed people, obviously. Yeah. And... Yeah, I, I, I remember that. I remember talking to you about it on our walk home from eating in this place, which, again, weird, wonderful place. It was basically someone's living room, and it had all the artefacts that they'd collected on their travels across the world. And the menu was, I'll be honest, it was a bit of a mess. Like, it was kind of things from all over the world, but not necessarily in a cohesive way. And, you know, we're, we're big advocates of mixing cultures and cuisines to get great flavour, but it was a bit more that it was a bit it was different anyway whatever it was and I suppose the point of it isn't the food and the point of it isn't anything apart from if we'd ordered that food as a takeaway from that place oh it would not not be the same it's not that but you would not have had that experience you would not have had that that change in how you approach or think about your life and your food and I think just the fact that that's so momentous purely because you set foot in this establishment and had whatever they had to offer good bad average and then came home and you were like, that's it. Like, I know... It was like a, an inspiration yeah. in a way that I, I think you, you couldn't have got from just getting the food in a box. At home. At home. Yeah, and I don't know. Eating out, to me, has always been... And I'm going to say all about the experience, but I don't mean a fancy experience, no. for sure. So I hope no one gets that God, mixed no. up. Uh, and when we say eating at <laughs> restaurants, we should probably, full disclosure, I, I would say 90% of the restaurants we eat at are like... Cheap che- eats. Cheap eats. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're restaurants that you can have at like even a student price point, but it's just good. Like whatever the food is, yeah, it's good. Absolutely. And I think me and you both really agree 
on of course we really enjoy eating out at fancier restaurants but that is not where we just generally go out to eat that no. that's always for an actual occasion yeah and for us eating out again what I'm about what I was about to say is it's the experience of it and that can be a very very casual canteen style bench stool style yeah dining experience absolutely banging food or maybe not banging food all the time but it's more about the atmosphere of how we feel mm. as opposed to let's go i don't know try this michelin star restaurant or yeah. take something off our list and they're great places too of course this is nothing against michelin star restaurants obviously mm. um but generally the way me and you eat out it's a casual thing but something that makes us feel something yeah um i don't know if i'm making any sense actually no i think that makes perfect sense and uh, uh, even down to within that you know you go to places where some people may argue the service is terrible because you get ignored or the raters are quite brisk or whatever but to me there's certain food cultures where that's normal like you yeah, actually very normal. you expect that from certain food cultures because like that's part of the experience and if you got an overly sweet saccharine friendly waiting experience that actually is a whole you've gentrified the process and you've made it you've made it you made it fine dining yeah you changed it you've just yeah. changed the inherent nature of it and I think like sometimes that's good but also at times you just want you just want an unfiltered unfettered experience of the food you're about to eat right down to the crappy paper napkins and the the steel cup and the you know, cutlery whatever, the, you know like cutlery or lack of therein like, yeah exactly you just you want all of it and I think that you miss that when you when you take that like whole the context of the food when you remove the context and you just put it in the same four walls of a Tupperware box you lose that sort of specialness yeah I mean obviously some people would disagree and a lot of people during this entire time of coronavirus have survived off eating takeout food because they've been too busy at work they've had other commitments and not everyone likes to cook like mm. we do so it's not discounting that we're just you know just talking about the joy of actually going somewhere and making either a daytime or an evening of it yeah and enjoying the physical aspects of that space as well as the food yeah um and again i know some people who would probably say that you can get that exact amazing food or wherever you want to eat in your home and in the comfort of your home yeah so why would you not want that? Why would you want to go out, get ready, and et cetera, et cetera? But I think the way we enjoy eating is very mindful, mm. probably. And, um, of course, you can be in the comfort of your own home and eat, and you should absolutely do that if you want to. And we'll come on to why there is a space for that as well. We're not, we're not saying that, you know, we're discounting Oh, no, yeah, foods, yeah, absolutely not. Um, but, yeah. But I think the overall... Yeah, just dining out experience is an experience regardless of where you eat and how you eat it and what you're eating. And it's just something that we should all be really thankful for because it's a break away from your daily activities. Yeah, it's a treat. It's a treat. Um, and I think another aspect that perhaps is a bit underrated or maybe we've not talked about so far is just the fact that when you go to an area, say, of, of the city or town that you live in, wherever that may be, and you try a couple of restaurants and you, you get a feel for the pulse of that place as well. You get a feel for like how they approach food as a city, how they approach food as 
perhaps there's one particular street you might have in your area that you live where you're like, oh, I know this place has like a scene, you know, like it's got a food scene that yeah, 100%. that you don't get when you're on a Uber Eats page. Like it doesn't it doesn't give you the context. Again, I'm speaking of context, but like the context of the food in comparison and to... And the people that work there Yeah, the people well, that work yeah. there and the competition that surrounds it yeah. and, you know, the kind of, like... Because all of these places are jostling for customers, ultimately, and there's unique things within each restaurant that perhaps... And I say all restaurants, I mean restaurants that you would think are worth visiting. There are aspects that make it worth visiting, you know? Yeah, and, and those aspects might be very different to different people. Yeah. Because everyone has their own kind of personality of eating out I yeah, would say I think so too um, and it, I, I really really think that the best way to learn about a city a town um, country even is to eat out in its local places um, as well as obviously fancier places mm. if you can afford to do so but that's the best way of kind of almost like peeping into a culture in a snapshot yeah um, of course, you can walk around, and I think that that is kind of on par with the eating out. But generally, for us, when we travel, or even when we don't travel, even when we were at home in London or are now at home in Brisbane, it's the best way to kind of just have a little snapshot of what people are doing in that city and how they're eating and what they're presenting. And yeah, it's just really lovely. Do you think uh, people watching is an underrated aspect of eating out? Yeah, oh my God, I love people watching when I eat out. Sorry, I don't stare at people if you have eaten out with me. Obviously, I'm not staring at you. It's only it's respectful people glancing. It's not people staring. Yeah, people. I love seeing what different tables order and how the food comes out the kitchen. And, okay, mine is a little bit of a kind of personal view on this because I have worked in restaurants and kind of behind the scenes as well. So I think I'm very observant when I'm in a restaurant and sometimes a little too observant maybe and I get distracted from the actual company that I'm with which is a little bit of a downfall but I love that I love that I have been behind the scenes and I know what happens and even if you haven't worked in a particular restaurant if you have worked in a restaurant you can you you just know like you know people are joking around people are um, laughing and also having a good time behind the scenes yeah. And it's just a community. I think this, the space of a restaurant is a community, again, in a little snapshot, that do the same thing day in, day out with each other. And it's just really nice to be able to experience that if you go somewhere or if you live somewhere. There's a pulse, isn't there? There's a pulse to a restaurant that you don't, that you can't replicate somewhere else. And you can't, when you, the moment you move, remove that food away from that pulse, it's like, I wouldn't say it's, not worth eating anymore but it, it just it changes the character it of the changes food. it I think the character of the food definitely changes depending on where you are mm. um, and again maybe this is a funny example but like can you just like t if you take out like the fine dining aspect of this like incredible I don't know um, French food and put it into a little street side canteen it changes the character of the food and mm. likewise when you bring it into your home Obviously, maybe not fine dining, but whatever food it is, it changes the character of that food um, and puts it into, like, well, yeah, a box, which is what it's in. Yeah. And that suits some food, that doesn't suit some food. And that's the next little bit, probably. We should put these coals in the hibachi grill. 
Oh, uh, you reckon they're ready? Yeah, in about two minutes. Yeah, fine. Well, I'll, I'll look at the uh, timer on the podcast recording and uh, I'll go accordingly. But for now, is there a cultural role for takeaway food? Yeah, probably. I'm I'm a bad person to ask this, you know, because I really don't eat takeout food. Um, Different people would have many different perspectives on this, and I think mine is probably quite a skewed one, Um, and I'll put my hands up and say that at the start, so please don't get offended. But, yeah, I personally don't really enjoy takeout food. Very, very, very rarely will I get food to take out and eat at home Mm. and that's probably to do with the fact that I actually love cooking and I enjoy spending time cooking Um, but also I really hate food in boxes and I I think a lot of my friends do know this I just don't enjoy just food in a box it takes away all the joy of food for me yeah Um, and I'm speaking with that luxury of I have the time to make food I enjoy the process of making food and if I really didn't want to cook, I would go and journey to a restaurant, even if it's a little bit far, but generally local ones to eat out. But I just don't like warming food up in a little box. It's yeah. just, it makes me feel a bit sad. And Fair that's enough. why I don't like it. Uh, that's completely understandable. We should probably also preface this a little bit by saying that completely, we, we completely understand there is a role for takeout food, particularly during the pandemic when... I well, reckon, yeah, as I was saying, I think people obviously really enjoy it. I reckon without takeout food, there would have been... It, it would have been significantly harder, I think, and uh, perhaps people wouldn't even have been able to get through the pandemic, you know, like just struggling to make ends meet and really not having the motivation to cook meals for yourself or maybe you don't know how to cook or you don't... You know, you're living for, you, by yourself and you don't really want to make a meal every time, you you know, you need to eat something. Um, yeah, it's... It, had, of course, has a role in that. Also for restaurants, I would want to say, because yeah. actually this pa- pandemic has taught us that restaurants obviously don't survive without the people going to the restaurants, but something that has probably helped so many businesses is doing takeaways. And their customers who have eaten there or their local people who want a night off from cooking or can't, cook because they don't have the time to cook and because they're working all the time it's allowed that community to also flourish in an almost virtual sense because those people aren't interacting but so many people probably in the same building were ordering the same food on a daily basis yeah and it's been probably a really big support system not only to customers but also to restaurants and i have friends who are in that industry who have really really benefited from that influx of takeaway food Mm. um but yeah, that aside, and without the pandemic and without the need, in quote marks, um, of getting takeaway, generally, I don't know what you would do if I probably wasn't with you, but I have never got takeout. I never even got takeout in university. Maybe twice or three times during university I managed to get takeout. Yeah. But I would always prefer going to a place to eat food. Yeah, I, I've always been someone to go out to a restaurant and never really order takeout unless I absolutely had to or unless like I was with a group of people and people were just ordering it in and then you eat it like 
ordering pizza in. Oh yeah, in. yeah. Say, likewise, I think the two or three times I'm thinking of were with a group, not by myself. I think I've ordered it once by myself when you were on maybe like a late shift during the pandemic, and, and I was, really wanted fried chicken. It was disastrous, wasn't it? Yeah, I didn't really enjoy it. I'll be honest. Yeah, again, rookie error. And who orders fried chicken through takeout? Because by the I time I just wanted fried chicken, but it's been in your Tupperware box for like know, forty minutes, and then it comes out soggy and sad, and then you're sad and. I'm not soggy. Not soggy. I was going to say <laughs> sad and dry. And, and then, yeah, you know, you just, you don't do that. But anyway, that's, it's fine. I, I, I would agree with most of what you have said, though. I, I don't really, um, I don't really see for myself anyway, like take out having a, like a emotional significance. But for a lot of people, um, I think there is certain takeaway food, particularly in British conscience, that has a really specific, really important role. And I think it kind of, is again like in the same way that going to restaurants is an intrinsic part of like the rhythm of like how we live our lives the post night out kebab for example you know like if you oh yeah that's almost like an institution it's an institution exactly yeah. and yeah. i think there are certain there are certain takeaway foods that are an institution that you can't really um you know you can't really ignore you may not you may it may not be for you it may not be your choice of way of eating but it's there um another one i was thinking of was um chippies Chippies again, yeah. Chip, chippies mm. are chippies are a very important one as well. Like the Friday night or like Friday evening chippy. Um, even as an Indian household, we used to do that every now and then. Really? Yeah. Every now, every now and then. Mm. My mum loves fish and chips, so every now and then she'd like. I think a big part of why I probably don't enjoy takeaway food is because we never ever did that as a family. Yeah. Um, well, funnily enough, my parents actually do it now a little bit more with my brother because um, he really enjoys kebabs, fish and chips, all that sort of stuff, but. I think firstly I didn't know what that was to a certain extent and I was also just pretty happy eating food at home because my mum cooked so well and I was very spoiled. Yeah. But we just never we never really got takeaway. Every now and then my dad would want a Bangladeshi curry takeaway which we would get and then my mum would complain that she could make better food, which was true. And but again that was so rare that that happened and again whenever we did order food we would always still put it on plates and kind of eat it have a home meal but yeah have yeah. a home meal but someone else has cooked that and i think the thing i was saying at the beginning is for us whenever we ate out it was because my mom did not want to cook food and wanted a little break and that break would be associated with getting dressed up and going out as opposed to just being in your pajamas at home so we just never did that and i think i'm just not used to it I also really do understand why people would want to do it and it's great and I actually sometimes wish that I was part of that but I think yeah I just I it's just never something I would go towards I would 100% always walk to a place even eat alone if I need to and I have done that plenty of times or just cook it yourself or just cook it myself which is my kind of default that's actually what you end up doing yeah I, I will end up thinking of something probably browsing through takeaway menus for like 10 minutes and then being like well by the time I order this and it comes I can actually make that food and just cook it myself but I understand that I might be the older one out here yeah I think that's you can't really expect that of everyone um, no it's, it's just no, nor how I do it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you think that with with um apps like uber eats and delivery or whatever like do you think there's a there's a problem of plenty we have too much option there's like option paralysis almost yeah 100 percent. To... which is what i've actually the few times i have gone on takeaway apps uh, actually during the pandemic mm. when you were working a lot and i didn't again didn't really want to make dinner for myself um 
I've just had, it's just so many options that you get confused and then you want everything and then I'm really bad at choosing, so. It's kind of like, you know when you end up on Netflix without a clear idea of what you want, right? And then you're just there. That's it, exactly. You're, you're browsing forever, you're in an endless spiral of browsing and then it's like 10 p.m. and you've not actually watched anything. Like, it's, it's that, but with food and you're hungry at the end. And then you end up ordering something, waiting for it, sometimes the order goes wrong and then you're kind of screwed. So what do you do then? Just uh, putting our coals in for the barbecue. Um, it smells so good. We should probably tell everyone what we've actually put on the barbecue, uh, which is tandoori paneer. Uh, well, it's not tandoori yet. It's going to be tandoori. Yeah, sorry. It's en route to being tandoori paneer. It's currently just marinated paneer that is sizzling in the background uh, and becoming black and delicious on the outside. Uh, and that's going to be our dinner. But we thought, you know, this doesn't need to stop us recording the podcast. We can still keep going. I'm just, exactly. I mean, I may just have to dip out and stop this paneer from catching fire on top of these coals. But that's it. Apart from that, we'll keep going unhindered. Um, I suppose the last section I wanted to talk about, I guess, that point where your restaurant meets your home, right? Like, you know, the going out to a restaurant and eating at home can be simultaneous almost. And I think particularly wanted to talk about this given the pandemic how essentially home cooking has had a bit of a renaissance i think yes not that it ever died you know well yeah of course it never died because families wouldn't survive without home cooking but for the average person particularly you know if you work like a busy job you work like hours that are very demanding perhaps now you've gone to working from home and perhaps also you've missed that space in your life where there was that romance of eating out. There was that whole experiential aspect of having different cultures, food, and in the context you're meant to eat it. And maybe missing all of that was part of the trigger why so many people turned to cooking and turned to making food that was just delicious and all by themselves. And um, I think, in, in essence, what people were doing was capturing that magic of going to the restaurant and trying to recreate it in their own homes, when I think is really nice. Yeah, and I kind of hope that stays a little bit because we've had many friends who now enjoy little parts of cooking or having a night in at home where they cook, where they might not have done that before because they just always were busy or doing other things and you had the option to go out. And I think it's really lovely to capture that essence. And I mean maybe that essence has always been captured by whoever is cooking at home or their partners taking a turn to cook um, or other family members taking a turn to cook or friends cooking together. You're trying to recreate a little bit of that experience that you get when you get dressed, go somewhere, sit and enjoy a meal. And I'm really glad people are doing that a bit more mindfully now. I think people always did it, um, but it's a bit more kind of at the forefront of people's attentions at the moment. I think it would be remiss to talk about this type of eating food and not mention your supper clubs because isn't that what this is? This is like the perfect interface between the magic of the restaurant and the intimacy of the home. Yeah, it's probably what got me very interested in supper clubs to start with. Um just doing 
that sort of dining experience in my house. And it's probably why I always wanted to do it in my house. Um, and I love that. For me, even though I'm personally not eating in supper clubs, I'm always doing the cooking and whatnot, I get that experience and the overall kind of, you know, warm, fuzzy feeling from creating that experience for people. And I hope that never goes away because it is the perfect marriage for someone to recreate. And I've also eaten at people's supper clubs and it recreates that sort of mental magic that you associate with eating out, except you get to eat someone's home food and be welcomed by their hospitality and see a little snippet of their personality. And I don't know, I just, I think that's just so magical. And of course takeaways and eating out and carrying food and eating on the go and all of those things have that little space in people's lives but ultimately when you eat out not only are you what I said at the beginning I'm kind of doing a full circle here um, do you enjoy the food and what you're eating and ideally that should be very good <laughs> but you're also kind of engulfed in that company and the romanticism of enjoying food as it's meant to be. I think that was really lovely. Thank you. Uh, you were also completely just doing the penny, no, so what? I don't know if no, you were listening. No, uh, 100% <laughs> I, was, I was listening. I was definitely not distracted by the rapidly blackening paneer on this barbecue. No, it's fine. That's what it's meant to look like. Yeah, crispy bits. It's You know what? I feel like I often tread a fine line between caramelisation and burning and maybe I've crossed that line but we'll only find out when we eat the food um, I think it's time to move on condiment corner oh god I was going to ask to what and I forgot that you were going to yell condiment corner oh yeah well tough because you start saying a word and then I just yell condiment corner and then now we're just in a new section which is condiment corner and the condiment today is salsa so okay salsa what are we saying here what are we talking bottle blended salsa are we talking you know salsa that you would have as a sort of accompaniment to say your tacos or what are we talking about tell me we are talking about homemade salsa actually um Bottle salsa has its place. It's good for Doritos. I'll give it that. It's just very sweet. And homemade salsa is very, very different. So I guess as has ended up happening with Condiment Corner, that usually I try and give a recipe if possible. Um, and salsa is actually so easy and so, e so good to make at home. Yeah. Very, very different experience to having the jar, which, like I said, has its own place. So if you want to make salsa at home, you need some tomatoes. Of course. Ideally, some pretty, like, I don't know, cherry tomatoes, plum tomatoes. Maybe a mixture of tomatoes is what I usually go for. So you can have any tomatoes, but ideally two types is great. Um, if you don't have many varieties of tomatoes, just go for cherry tomatoes. That works very good because they're sweet, a little bit tangy as well. And you need lots of lime juice, you need some salt, you need some herbs, ideally coriander is what I would recommend, but spring onion's really good as well. And you need to mulch it with your hands and eat it fresh. 
So if you make salsa at home, please don't put it in a jar, don't put it in the fridge. It's not really good in a few days time. You need to make it fresh and eat it fresh and enjoy the tomatoiness that salsa is all about. And you can do that with green tomatoes, which is generally what it's known for where it comes from in Mexico, tomatillos, which are kind of very tart green tomatoes. Which actually aren't really related to the tomato No, family. they're not, yeah. They are a different fruit, so you guys can go find out that for yourselves. Mm. Very interesting, and if you do get a hand on some tomatillos, get them, because honestly, they are so worth it. So for a basic salsa recipe, I would go for 10 cherry tomatoes, maybe one beef tomato like the larger ones beef steak beef steak tomatoes yes not a beefy tomato no meat in salsa um and then the juice of one lime i love um kind of jazzing up my salsa with a fruit so sometimes i add a passion fruit sometimes i add a green apple something quite tart and a little bit crunchy is probably what i would recommend and obviously you can do green mango as well if that's in season and then a big generous pinch of salt some fresh chilies, no chili powder, no chili flakes, please. Fresh chopped chilies, you can go for red, green, depending on the salsa flavor that you want at the end. Don't overdo it with the chilies. Start with one, taste it. If you want more, add more. And then that's pretty much it. Give it a good mix. Always hands, I recommend. Um, and then garnish it with a lot of chopped coriander or spring onions or both. I personally love a passion fruit salsa i'll be very honest i've done that quite a few times really enjoy it um think it's so crunchy as well as tart um you can for added umami and oomph add in some barbecued tomatoes or some oven grilled tomatoes along with the fresh tomatoes to give it that smokiness what i'm getting here is a lot of um a lot of options you can do what you want with the salsa you can do what you want let your Mind's tongue, as I said a couple of episodes mm. ago, lead you on your salsa. Taste it as you go. I don't think you can make a salsa without tasting it because it's such a personal thing. What is salsa nirvana? What's the ultimate peace bliss that you get when you uh, put that spoonful of salsa liquid in I'm your mouth? I'm literally drooling while I talk about this. Um, but I think equal parts sweetness, tanginess, and spiciness. Obviously, the salt has to be there to make mm. sure you taste all those other flavors. But yeah, I'm a fan of a spicy salsa. Like, yeah. it needs to have that oomph of the chili because you're not meant to eat a bowl of salsa. You're meant to garnish something with it. Yeah. Um, or dip something in it. So, yeah. And I don't know if this needs to be said, but chop everything quite fine because you don't want massive chunks of things in your salsa. The salsa is something that is so often done underwhelmingly because people are afraid of adding too much lime juice or too much chili or too much salt. Yeah, um, you need to have that bit of... I don't know, I'm going to do the sound effect for you and maybe that's going to explain it itself. You need to have the... sound when you eat salsa. That's... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I wish I could show you guys what that looked like, but, I mean, it looks like someone really enjoying salsa is what it looks like. Um, <laughs> and that's the only way I can describe it. But, yeah, that's, that's a great one, I think, salsa. And if you have not made your own salsa till now please go and make some and i promise you you're going to be in for a little treat have you even had a picnic or mexican event type thing ever like a taco tuesday if you never made your own salsa come on come on people and please don't try and make it taste like the doritos jar salsa because that does not taste like that no that's salsa. gross no one needs that uh, i don't know if it's gross it's it's fine for chips but it doesn't actually taste like salsa so don't aim for that taste 
Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, this is di very different. This is very yeah, it's very different. So don't aim for that jar flavor because real salsa, when you make it yourself, is meant to taste of tomatoes, herbs, lime, salt, all those wonderful things, chilies. Mm. And um, play around a little bit, add a fruit in, like I said, and you will be in for a whole new world. Man. And with that, we are going to go eat our dinner because I'm starving. I actually want to make a salsa now. Should we make a, we can make a salsa with this. With paneer. No, we can't. Shh, you live your best life. No, thanks. Okay, thank you very much for listening, guys. Thank you so much. And we hope you enjoyed our 10th episode. Yeah, um, let us know if you have any feedback for season one as a whole, if you want to see any more themes or topics addressed in season two, and if you have any ideas for guests that are in Brisbane and also <laughs> not famous and not rich, uh, whom we could actually uh, afford to have on the show for the price we pay, which is to say zero dollars. So, yeah, if you know anyone that's willing to come on the show for free and just chat shit for a while, <laughs> then, then hit us up. Uh, if not, then, uh, then, then don't, don't mess with us. Don't do anything, yes. Just, just... Um, if you could, share and leave us a little rating on whatever podcast app you're listening to. I don't even know if you actually can do that. Can you? Whatever you can do to, like, you know, just show that you like it or you don't think it's shit. Or just send us a WhatsApp message. We like those too. Or if you do think it's shit, actually, just let us know why, you know? Because like I wanna, we just wanna talk. We just wanna come and talk to you. And if you think it's really shit, please don't be mean. Or just don't listen. Yeah. Okay. Bye, guys. Love Have you. a nice day. Bye. <laughs>